Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are American Ninja and American Samurai. All the cultural appropriation you need in one shitty package. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. We had to downgrade back down to using the 40-inch monitor. What are we, cavemen? How do you even watch anything on a 40-inch TV? <laughs> you know what the funniest thing is? When we first moved in together, Char used to joke around all the time about how my TV was gigantic. And you're now 40 inch? No, my my TV was sick, mm. but uh, that's the one that broke. And hers was a 40. So we're back to her 40. And she's like, uh, I need my glasses to watch this TV. And I was like, I told you. I told you this TV wasn't huge. You were just using an old tiny TV. Trust me, I bought I bought a 75 inch. And within a week, I was like, this TV is too small. I keep... I keep looking. There is a 4K 80 inch for like 750, mm-hmm. and that's uh that's pretty tempting. Well, I mean, you should just do it if you need to buy another one anyway. Well, I'm gonna I'm taking my TV into a repair shop. I think the backlight just went out. No, oh, so they're gonna be like, yeah, it'll be like 700 dollars to fix it. Well, if it's if it's just like the line to the backlight, that's like a seventy five dollar fix. I think I'd rather just spend seventy five, mm. seven hundred. See, Amanda's but mom. If, but if I take it in and they tell me it's going to be five hundred to fix it, then fuck that. I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. an eighty inch curved screen smart TV. Yeah, need that technology, son. When when Amanda first bought when Amanda's mom bought a big screen TV back when you know. Not everybody had them. She bought a back projection TV. <laughs> nice. and that, and that, no, that was the worst decision she's ever made. The uh, The bulb on that went out at least 10 times. And it cost $200 to buy a new bulb each time. But back then, $200 to fix a TV was reasonable. Yeah, that, yeah. that would be, those Those were, uh, I think it was called uh, DRT. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, those those bulbs sucked, and those bulbs only had uh, a few thousand hours of life, so it mm-hmm. would burn out about every two years. Yeah, and yeah. Amanda's mom was retired, so all she did was watch TV all day. Right. So that thing burned out all the goddamn time. She should have yeah, bought a had- uh, should have bought a plasma one, but she decided on the back projection one instead. They, they had their advantages, 
So plasma TVs and LCD TVs aren't very good at making the color black, but but DRTs were fantastic at it. So they had like better contrast. Yeah, she didn't care. She just got the the uh, plasma one just so that she didn't have to pay for a new bulb every six months. I don't think I could go plasma. Plasma, they get so hot. I'd be worried that it burned down my house. Well, you're going to take what you're going to get because apparently you have neighbor kids that like to shoot up your shit with pelicans. So. That's it. Uh, first. So I was say, I use a plasma and I really notice how hot it gets. It's kind of odd. Like if I leave the TV on too long, my basement gets very warm. Mm. But it was the newest technology at the time I bought it. So yeah, they're they're a little terrifying. When we used to sell them, you know, we would have the representatives and stuff come in and walk us through stuff. And with the plasma TVs, they'd always be like, "Yeah, they occasionally like burn down somebody's house." And they would be so cavalier about it. They'd be like, that's not your responsibility. They know the dangers of plasma. And I was like, I don't think they do. I, th- I think that if you put that on a sticker on that TV, it might burn down your house. Not a lot of people are going to be buying that TV. Well, I definitely keep mine like away from walls and stuff. Like it's kind of weird because it's, you can't have it pressed tight up because of how warm it gets. Sorry, you got a you got a firewall between you and the neighbors, don't you? Yes. Yeah, no big deal. But I'm real concerned about the stuff that's on this side of the firewall. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense, I guess. <laughs> it's I wasn't thinking about my neighbors at all when I made the decision not to put it up against a wall. And if I remember right, plasmas can uh, burn images into them. Yeah, that's apparently a problem. Hmm. Yeah. Although, mind you, I bought mine in 2009, and it still works perfectly, so... Yeah, I don't think you're the type of person that's going to pause the scene of a movie and leave for five hours. I'm the kind of person who falls asleep in front of uh, the TV with, like, old-school DVDs that just go to the stupid menu and just sit there. So, that still happens. Mm. I was going to say, at least if they're not, like, first-generation DVDs, almost all of them have movement on them on the screen yeah. to keep it from burning it. Yeah, which podcast do I host again? <laughs> How old are my DVDs? <laughs> How many of them have ninjas on the cover? That's so Noah. Don't own, uh... That's Noah, king of the segways. Yeah. Was... <laughs> I almost didn't have a chance to comment because I was about to go count, but then I realized what was going on. <laughs> How many do have ninjas on? Not enough, I know that. Can we just can we just say before we even get into these reviews, how fucking delightful this week has been? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it seems like every day something bad's happening. I lost a friend, my fucking TV died, all this shit. Then I got to watch some white savior uh, '80s movies. It's fucking fantastic. Did not even mention that someone shot your dog with a pellet gun. How dare Somebody you, sir? Somebody shot my dog with a pellet gun. He's doing all right. <laughs> I, see, I see where he rates. Yeah, you should put up uh, cameras in your yard and find those people and beat the shit out of them. Well, 
so the good news is, so the cops, of course, weren't doing jack shit because, uh, I don't know. So, I don't because why would they? If it, gets, if it gets back to them and they fucking do even less for me, which I don't see as how it's possible. But uh, so Springfield, Illinois Police Department sucks dicks and doesn't do anything. They're fucking terrible. Yeah. But yesterday, a group of three people apparently shot out a window at one of the local high schools while one of the teachers were in the room with a pellet and, and it was with a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. And apparently they actually arrested them because, you know, once once they do damage to city property, then, of course, it's a priority. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, hopefully that solves your problem. Yeah, I'm hoping that was them. Because trust me, if somebody shot my dog with a pellet gun and I found out who it was, I would end up in jail probably. That's, that's what I was talking to some other people about. So I I am almost entirely a passive pacifist i just I do not believe in the use of violence other than in like desperate circumstances mm-hmm. but if i found the dude that shot my dog oh, i would beat him with a fucking baseball bat yeah. just because you're not a human at that point i can no longer see you as a person if you hurt a dog for no reason yeah do you want to take a controversial stance against this dog and no, I, I actually, oh, this is, you're going to be cut off guard. I don't go ahead and apologize to Noah because uh, this is the first I'm hearing about the dog incident. So those jokes I was making about how I hope somebody shot your TV out with a pellet gun. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> that was a sheer coincidence. And I did not. <laughs> no, no, no. You were referring to the vandalism against my car. That's funny. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, listen, I can laugh and be okay about tragic uh huge expenditures of money it's yeah. just the dog it's just the dog that makes it sad you don't hurt an animal that dog didn't if, I hadn't, if i'd known about the dog it, it wouldn't have been funny to make pellet gun uh, jokes this week man, it's, it's, it's still funny like ernie's okay like from from what yeah, shar posted he just had like a couple red spots on his chest or something yeah he had like three bloody spots on him and i took him to the vet and they said they found a couple little scabs, but it's not like they don't think anything broke the skin. And we're still not 100 percent sure that that's what it was, because maybe he got stung by a wasp or something and then just rubbed it so hard that it, you know, ripped it open or something. But the the proximity to the BB gun incident just seems a little fishy. So, you know, what you need to do, you need to hire some ninjas to hang out in your yard. And if someone shoots, they take them out. Just the other day, I was thinking I need to make a whole training camp for ninjas. (laughs) A whole training camp for ninjas? Can can it be on a Pacific island and run by a South American? Is that possible? Because (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I was going to say we're talking about some ninja movies this week, otherwise known as, holy shit, white kids be falling out of trees. (laughs) Because <laughs> that's what seems to be the secondary theme of this week. This is I, I, the theme of having the same Hawaiian actor playing a Japanese man who finds American babies and raises them to be martial arts masters is maybe the most specific theme we've ever had. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be so funny if it wasn't the exact same actor playing the exact same character. Oh yeah, I. 
in my head, I'm like perfect because I want to be the same universe anyway. So, excuse me, he's not playing the exact same character in one movie. He's a Japanese war veteran that was stuck on an island uh, and to do ninjutsu, and in another one. He's a proud papa samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Who take in homeless white boys and then raises them to be martial arts experts. Yes, you're correct. Well, Noah, since you picked these, why don't you break down American Ninja for us? Uh, so American Ninja stars uh, our good friend Dudikoff. 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 Uh, who Canon Films was going to make into a huge action movie star, according to all of his contracts, and then didn't do that. <laughs> it did in my mind. So they, did, they, they made him a big direct-to-video action star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the, the thing is, at the end of the day, people who love B-movies know who he is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he is a army person of ambiguous rank of some kind named Joe, who is also a ninja master with uh, amnesia, so he doesn't know why he's a ninja master. Damn straight. As you do. Uh, and we are on an island of some kind, populated by the strangest blend of people ever, so I... Does anyone understand the demographics of this movie? They're, they're, what it is is Canon Films, just by default, makes all the bad guys just South Americans, like ambiguous South Americans. But they set this movie in some Pacific island, I think maybe the Philippines, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and I was going to say. They just yeah. forgot to recast the bad guys. So the bad guys are still the typical South American bad guys. They just happen to live in the Philippines. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We have like... Filipino actors and bad guys with, I don't know, weirdly almost French-Spanish accents, maybe from Brazil or something. I don't, I don't know. And then there's Japanese guys and there's fucking ninjas. And I just, I have no, I have no fucking idea where this You're, is. Everything you like, just said is correct, even though it, everything you just said contradicts itself. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this movie is batshit insane. Let's just start there, and then you can continue with your plot description. Yeah, so, so the ninjas and Filipino commandos are uh, robbing military convoys, which they seem to do with very little effort. So that's, that's your first sign that maybe something kinky is going on. Uh, and they're stealing weapons. There's a huge weird plot with... I don't know, missiles and shit that's going to be shipped off to the highest bidder. You know, it's the usual bad guy doing a bad guy thing, but mm -hmm. none of that fucking matters because there's commandos and ninjas. Judikov's mm -hmm. uh, character, of course, falls in love with the colonel's daughter, uh, who hates him at first and then immediately changes and decides she loves him after they laugh at one joke because that's... <laughs> That's also a theme for this week's show. True. Uh, yeah. So basically, he meets up with his old ninja master who unlocks his memories and allows him to go full ninja. <laughs> and uh, never white, go full white, ninja. Yeah, white white savior and token black badass guy save the day. So technically, technically white 
White Savior doesn't save the day because he meets up with his old ninja master on his way to stop the bad guys. And the old ninja guy, the old master is like, yeah, the Black Star Ninja, he like turned to the the dark side of ninja, basically. (laughs) And then American Ninja just goes, fine, that's my only mission now is to kill him and abandons the concept of worrying about all the arms deals and everything that are going on in the background. That's all secondary. Now he's just there to kill Black Star Ninja. And if the other guys hadn't shown up, all he would have accomplished is killing one guy and everybody else would have just gotten away with all their crimes. I love it's he's so late. Well, weird, I weirdly, it. I think there's a reason for that that I'll get into here in a second. Okay, right. So there's there's an endless parade of things to love about this movie. Uh, once again, this is one of those movies where nobody's surprised by the fact that there appears to be an army of ninjas on this island. Nope. Like, no, like that's just actually, a thing. At well, one point, they, like they're a, like the convoy was attacked by ninjas, and four soldiers die, and they're like, "Ah, damn ninjas!" <laughs> well, at one point too, they actually go to like Jackson, who's like he's head of the motor pool, so they ask him to examine the dead bodies, and they, he's like, "Well, this is a little strange, but have you ever heard of ninjutsu?" And everyone's like, yeah, of course we have, you idiot. And he's like, okay, well, that's it was the ninjas that attacked then. And they're all like, okay, fine. <laughs> but they're all like angry at him when he's, he like hints that maybe it's unusual to see ninjas. And they get mad at him for it. It's even better than that. He says, have you heard of ninjutsu? And somebody else goes, ah, the art of assassination. <laughs> that is a real fucking line in this movie. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Um, it's so insane. So this is the first time watch for me. I just never saw what? it as a kid. Yeah. Oh my god, I saw it so many times as a kid. <laughs> uh, I will say that I did enjoy it for completely for what it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can't not enjoy this movie because yeah. it like it's like Commando with ninjas and less common sense. Yeah. Not as good one-liners either, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, and, like, you got to give him a break. So, Dudikoff's awesome, but he does not have Arnold charisma. No. no. I wouldn't even go as far as to call him awesome. He's awesome for this movie. I. It's not like, like, there's a reason why he only makes, like, direct-video canon stuff, right? Like, it's, <laughs> he's he's not an action star, he's, and he's not a great actor. Didn't even it's get the call for Expendables. That's that's how good he is. Yeah. Seems like Stallone could have called him up. But like, come on, you wouldn't be in Expendables. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. If I don't think I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't want to speak for other people. I don't think Stallone knows who Dudikoff is. <laughs> Probably not. I kind of now. I just need them to make another Expendables movie in which Dudikoff shows up as the White Ninja. When I was playing, really fucking funny. When I was playing around on uh, IMDb today, I found out there's a movie called The Extendables, I think, which is Paris to be like a low-budget like sci-fi movie-style ma- remake of The uh, Expendables. So sure. uh, I, that would have been perfect to have him in that. He'd give you the lead of that. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure probably was uh, financed by The Asylum, I'm guessing, by the title. That, that sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, fuck them. Anyways, American Ninja, though, let's discuss the all the awesomeness of this movie. Yeah, so this is going to be one of those movies that's... I, I unfortunately think the review is going to end up being real short, because otherwise it's just going to be us going... Do you remember that part? Yeah, but... Do you remember, do you remember, do you remember the part where he's 
fighting four ninjas and he randomly stabs barrel and there was a ninja in the barrel. Yeah. Do you remember the part where he's the one ninja throws like a rope and tries to get, grab onto one of his swords? So he like does a weird move and throws both swords across the room in different directions and stabs two ninjas at once. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. But we're getting at the end of the movie where all of a sudden ninjas are magic and can teleport using smoke bombs. Just just literally well, the, the thing is there's only one scene where one of them actually like teleports and all the other times they're just using smoke bombs in the more traditional way of like create a distraction so you can escape but just for some reason there's one split second in the movie where they're like magic's real and we're done with that we're gonna move on from that now magic is not gonna play a role in the remainder of the movie <laughs> i feel like the only thing that could have made that moment better is if there was a background character that just screamed that at that moment magic's real <laughs> like because they're talking about ninja magic in a scene before and i'm and they're talking about like the ability to disappear and I'm assuming in my head that they're like talking about the ability to blend in with the background and to create like to to hide really well and things like that. And then they're like, no, the guy literally fucking disappears. Uh, <laughs> and he gets killed a minute later anyway. And then it's done. We never go back to the magic. He also he also lists off a list of uh, sacred ninja weapons that are like the true key. And the very first one he lists is a Kasurigama, which no one uses ever in this movie. <laughs> well, isn't it super fucking weird that, like, like American Ninja is at the plantation to stop the arms dealers? And then his, like, stepdad or whatever is like, hey, remember me? I'm your stepdad. And they no, go in another room and he's like... the other movie. This is random soldier on the island who just takes the baby. Okay, we 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 actually don't know the story. We have no idea how that baby ended up with that guy, which is interesting that they wouldn't bother to tell us that. <laughs> but it's okay. So he takes him in, he raises him up, and then right before the final battle, he sits him down. He's like, "You have one more lesson," and he lays out all these weapons and he's introducing him to the weapons. So you're just like, if right before his major battle, you're just gonna. And you have to learn all this shit in the next minute and a half. <laughs> because cause all the swords and the flipping and everything that you've known up until now will not cut it. You also need all of these weapons, which you will use for one fight each, except for the one that Noah mentioned already. And it's like, oh, I don't think that that's a good idea. I think you use your uh, dried yeah. fruit methods heading into this giant fight. I was going to say, you also need your super sick black ninja suit. Although yeah. yours is going to have a red sash so that we can differentiate who you are yeah. on the fight. Yeah. And your, and your master, also black ninja suit, long red skirt, so we know who he is in the fight. Yeah. It's important to be able to tell them all apart. It's like the, the three ninjas that have names, all their suits are a little different, and then everybody else, exactly the same. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's almost like they did that on purpose just for the movie. Uh, so one of the interesting things about this movie that I read is that, uh, Michael Dudikoff before this movie had no martial arts training whatsoever. I'm not surprised at all to hear that. <laughs> um, he and was, I don't care just for the record. That's not a criticism of the film. No. Uh, apparently they offered this to Chuck Norris and his response was, well, but I don't want my face covered up at the end cause people have to know it's me. So he passed. Really? That's it? 
That's it. <laughs> okay. He was like, oh I've got to go make Dalton for it now. <laughs> why, why wouldn't they have conceded that and just given him like some kind of a hood thing where his face was exposed? I don't know. Uh, and then, because uh, it's canon? Yeah. It's canon. And then they thought Dudikoff, because apparently they held like they auditioned like two thousand people for this role and never found anybody. Jesus. And then when they saw Dudikoff, uh, one of them, one of the guys, I don't, I don't remember which one, uh, thought he looked a lot like James Dean and thought that that could be very marketable. So that's why they hired him. I can see that. By canon logic, that actually makes more sense <laughs> than most things they do. <laughs> Um, and so then the big problem is he, they got on set and of course he's been working with the guy, but he doesn't know a whole lot of martial arts where apparently the black guy, Steve James does know martial arts. <laughs> and, of course. And, uh, holy shit. sounds like you're, are you, what are you inferring that they should have had a black American ninja <laughs> um, so the big thing was that Dudikoff was a little worried that Steve James was going to try to overshadow him in scenes, like on purpose. Um, so they they did not get along at all, uh, to the point that Steve James requested that I think for the final fight that his all of his stuff took place on the other side of the compound, so they didn't have any fight scenes together. Because he was just fed up with Dudikoff's yeah, nonsense. I actually, I noticed when I was watching this movie this time and like thinking about it a little bit, like it's weird that those two don't have a fight scene together at the end. You would have yeah. thought, like, there'd be a moment where they'd be like back to back, surrounded by ninjas, fighting them off, kind of thing. Yeah, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's no. interesting. I, I, I find the whole thing weird because uh, I forgot his name already. Black dude, Steve James. Steve James. Charismatic, yeah. good actor, ripped like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck wasn't he the lead in this movie? Should like be. if you've got that, you've got you, that on. You, you I, I just don't get question. it. You you do you do get it. It's just it was the eighties and racism was still okay back then. <laughs> well, yeah, but back then you, you make the main character black, and all of a sudden it's a black exploitation movie. All you have to do is just call the guy the man a couple times. <laughs> uh, the good thing is, apparently, when they went to make American Ninja 2, because they're both in it, uh, they decided to bury the hatchet, and they became friends afterwards. So, That's good. Yeah. And credits to Dudikoff. Dude didn't know any martial arts before this movie, uh, but over the years, ended up with a black belt and whatever whatever discipline that he chose. Yeah. So. Well, for oh, I think he gets, over the years, he got significantly better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and he, he's pretty good in this movie for a guy that wasn't a martial artist coming in. He, yeah. he looks all right. Yeah, he's fine. He's doing the Kung Fu thing where he's trying not to fight people. Yeah. So for a majority of the movie, like that's fine. <laughs> And he has a lot of other weird, like, life skills, too. Like, when he takes the, the girl from Friday 13th Part 4 and they go running off into the jungle together, mm-hmm. 
he has like just a lot of instincts about how to cut her dress into a <laughs> pair of pants and tear the heels <laughs> off her shoes so she can run better and all that. And it's like all that that feels like something you got to learn. That doesn't feel like something that comes naturally to people. So he wasn't just a ninja. He had a lot going for him. Yeah, te- tearing the heels off the shoes made it look like it, it made it seem like the shoes would be a lot more uncomfortable. But Yeah. I, th- I, I don't know about high heels, but I don't think tearing the heels off would make them into something you could run in. I don't think. Uh, I mean, it would keep you from breaking your ankle with every step. I guess. Yeah, you're, but you're you're almost better off taking those shoes off. I yeah. I don't know. People got some soft ass feet. I couldn't imagine running through rocks and vegetation barefoot. I think that would hurt real bad. Well, you know, they could have just not brought it up. It would have been fine. But they that would have been another thing. <laughs> yeah, they, they made a we big got, production. We got that badass moment though, where he pulls out his fucking. Uh, butterfly knife and twirls it around and like stabs it right between her legs and she's freaking out and he cuts that cuts that like whatever those tight skirts are called into and ties them into pants and she's I was, I was gonna say and then he girds her loins you don't get a lot of loin girding in movies oh, good Lord. like all those moments are what I remember from being a kid is I remember all like the cool ninja moments and I remember them running through the woods and him having to cut her dress and everything. And then I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't really remember the plot, but then as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, Oh, cause there's not really a plot. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, there's a bunch of shit going on, but at the end of the end, it's just like, this guy's going to mm-hmm. fight all of the ninjas. And that's all that's happening. And every now and again, we'll pause to watch a guy get hit in the nuts way too obviously so that it's clearly just something canon insisted they put in the movie. Yeah, as soon as the first shot of the uh, colonel walking out with his daughter and her getting into the car, I'm like, well, he's obviously involved somehow. Everybody's, yeah. Like, it's it's so obvious. You're just, And it's like, you know who all the bad guys are from minute one. You pretty much know, like, the plot. Cause there's and the thing is they don't even try because there's like a vague reference at one point when the colonel tries to stop things and like the South American bad guy that runs a plantation in the Philippines is like um, he's like you know this is about helping people for you but for me it's just about money and it's like I don't know maybe two more lines of dialogue tell us who he's trying to help and why <laughs> you may want to, that might make this into a real movie if you did that you're just like oh you're trying to help these rebels accomplish such and such a goal oh okay at least then he'd have a, a some motivation as a character but they're just like nah we don't need that <laughs> did you guys enjoy the fight between the best friend and Diet Bello yep there was lots of nut grabbing in that one it's so weird. A, that is a weird groin-centric fight. It is like very oddly groin-centric, and it is—I don't know why you like. I don't know how you even write that into a script. You like men battle groinily. I don't know what he said. And then they batter each other about the penis and/or testicles. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's weird, but it's fun to watch, and it's just it's just. It's so like 1985, man, because it's just like 
It's the middle of this thing. There's these tanks everywhere. And, of course, there's Jackson shirtless for whatever reason. <laughs> and he just, oh, here's a, here's a character we haven't seen yet in the entire movie that's just a giant muscle man with martial arts skills, and he just walks out. Guess these two are just going to have to fist fight in the middle of all this. <laughs> all right. Go at it. It gets so weird. Everything about this movie is weird. It's weird that we never get... Like, there, we don't know why the Michael Dudikoff character, we don't know who he is or how he ended up in the care of this Japanese man. And then there's just this weird thing where there's an explosion and they find a white kid in the jungle. So their instinct is ship him back to the States. They have no reason to believe he's American at that point. He, I don't even know why he was speaking English. <laughs> and everything about this movie is strange. I love it. So what do we think of the sniveling little sidekick guy who starts out as a bad guy and turns into a good guy by the end? Oh, like the driver guy? Yeah. He, yeah, the one that does the same, like, almost as bad as the girl. He just immediately flips and becomes like a fr- uh, hardcore friend. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> he, he hates Joe for so long, and then all of a sudden he just shows up and he's part of this, like, plot that involves him volunteering to pick up garbage so Joe can do a badass motorcycle jump over a wall and go and fucking go go see this girlfriend and it's like what like it's all right i I mean i didn't care but it was super fucking weird yeah i just thought it was weird because he's that sniveling character he was he was in the opening convoy that gets uh yeah wrecked jesus christ no what are you doing sorry that's my chair um, it sounds like you're just like throwing your desk back and forth. Um, but yeah, he's in that opening convoy and then he just, <laughs> he just walks around with like the groups of the other troops. And when they approach Joe, he's just like, yeah, fuck this guy, beat him up Jackson or whatever. But then all of a sudden, like they're friends. <laughs> so whatever. Just out of nowhere. What about the fact that Jackson is like. All right, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but if you guys don't like this guy, I will beat the shit out of him in the middle of the fucking <laughs> military base. But then Joe wins the fight. All right, we're buddies now. <laughs> it's like, what? Not just buddies. He has a whole plan of them dropping out of the military and doing exhibition fights around the United States for money. No, not around the United States, around whatever nondescript Pacific island they're on. <laughs> He said they eat it up like wrestling back in the States. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I will also say, you know, a lot of these movies, they say the title of the movie. Uh, this is this is one of the few that they say the title of this movie a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's always evil ninja. Evil ninja is like, it is the American ninja. <laughs> It makes no sense because yeah, how does he even know he's a ninja, and how does he know he's American? At the end, how does he know it's him? Because he's wearing—I guess he has his red sash on. That's how he knows it's not one of his normal ninjas. <laughs> oh, what a great idea, though, to have your villains be an arms dealer who's working with a ninja. So at their plantation where they do their arms dealing, there's just a ninja training camp going on just so that in your final fight you can have the two ninjas running around through all the different training equipment. And why is it all the ninjas in the fights are wearing black ninja suits? But when they're at the training camp, 
the ninjas are all color coordinated. <laughs> no, I do believe it's color coordinated for training purposes and black for field work. So at the end, when the final fight breaks out, they're all in their like it's it's go time. They're all in their field gear. Yeah, no. I think Jesus. I think I think I think that part of the movie made sense. It's the only yeah, thing. It, it, yeah, the uh, but, the color, color coordination, so they know what uh, ninja's best at what, what they need to work on, and then when they get in the field, they don't want to point that out to everybody, so everybody wears black. Did we mention? Did we mention that the final fight between Joe and Black Star Ninja is very literally them running a ninja obstacle course and happening to show off that they <laughs> their mastery of all the ninja skills. I believe I just made reference to that, but it's uh, it's fucking great. When they go through, like, there's, there's those, like, punching bags that have spikes on them that you got to avoid while you zigzag through, and there's absolutely no goddamn reason for them to run through the middle of them. Right. It's just to show off their abilities. I mean, I understand the first guy swinging them so that Joe would have to dodge them, but he could have went around. Open (laughs) Although that is a, there is a, maybe it's a a theme that we're not picking up on in the subtleties of the film. Because there's a lot of moments like that where it's like when Joe wants to jump his motorcycle, there's just a series of ramps there that he can choose from. (laughs) And then when they're having the, when they're at the fight scene, when uh, at the warehouse where they try to ambush Joe. He actually he steals another motorcycle because now it's like Chekhov's motorcycle. We've shown that he knows how to ride one. He's got to ride one always, and he just he drives. There's that series of tables in a row that he's able to drive across, and then there's like this stacked cases that for some reason form like a tunnel that makes no sense just for him to drive right through. <laughs> so apparently that's part of the uh, part of the background knowledge of this movie is that there's always a path for you to follow if you're, you want to be a ninja. Uh, so what about the final fight on the helicopter <laughs> where where Dudikoff and the chick have to jump off the helicopter onto a very obvious orange mat on the roof of whatever <laughs> building that they're jumping to so that happens twice in this movie I don't know if you noticed that so when they jump off onto the roof there's the blatant mat mm-hmm. and when he's running through the warehouse avoiding the ninjas he rolls across the hood of a truck and there's it's blatantly a mat on the hood of yeah. the truck. <laughs> I justified that in my head as like, oh, there must be something wrong with it, so they've got a tarp over the truck. Yeah. They've got a, a four inch thick mad <laughs> tarp over the hood of that truck. That's that's what I feel it was, yes. But once again, it only makes the movie better. It's better for it. <laughs> awesome. The thing is, and this is one of those movies that, as a kid, I thought this was a good action movie. And now I appreciate it for what it is, and I love it just as much. I'm so upset with myself for not watching this movie a lot more over the last bunch of years. <laughs> <sighs> what about, can we discuss the look of Black Star Ninja? Because everybody else was 1985 in this movie, but for some reason, he was from 1977. He had that, like, <laughs> weird, like... I don't know if you know what that haircut's called, and he had the big mustache going. <laughs> kind of a ninja has a mustache. I also love the fact that his his the reason why he's Black Star Ninja is because he's got a Black Star cheek tattoo, like a yeah. like a teardrop tattoo, but it's yeah. a ninja star. Yeah, that's how you do. 
That just makes sense. That, I don't know what they called him before he got that tattoo. <laughs> what, well, do you, what do you think they called him before he got that tattoo? They're just... Mustache Ninja. Mustache Ninja. Uh, The funny thing is, since we live in awesome times right now, I was watching this movie and there's there's a point where they show you know they show him in his ninja gear, and I was like that that son of a bitch. His mask isn't even up over his nose. And then then I realized, oh, it's because he's got that black star tattoo, and so they couldn't put it up over his nose because they would cover that tattoo up. Oh, God. I didn't, I didn't so what you're saying is he's, he's the worst kind of evil. He's a masker. Exactly. He's an anti-masker, and that makes him the worst ninja of all time. I just like that something in the water down there makes you guys watch a movie like this and immediately start questioning the wardrobe choices of the ninjas. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just keep bringing up different things. But we have to talk about the pure artistry of this film. Yeah, we got to talk about ninja representation in this movie. Ninja representation. <laughs> this is ninja cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, this is the white man stealing ninjutsu. Yeah, we're, this is, white people are stealing ninjutsu the way that that one actor steals white babies <laughs> in this week's movies. <laughs> Uh, In other words, casually. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll find a white kid. Might as well just keep it. No, no point in going around to see if he's anybody else's. <laughs> oh, what was uh, your other favorite parts of this movie? Um, did we did we forget to mention that his ninja sensei, is, for some reason, has infiltrated the plantation as like their gardener well it's not for some reason he lived on the land in his as a japanese soldier until somebody bought the land and then you just automatically work for the people that bought the land that's how that works ah. <laughs> like you didn't know that's how it worked slavery kind of like <laughs> slavery yep but the weirdest part to me was like they're like as you can see he's a real artist and he's just he's just like trimming like fucking lily pads that are growing in their fountain for some reason and i'm like there's no there's not a scene of him trimming a plant properly or making it look nice there's no shots of like beautiful plants like why what do you he's an artist what does that mean no he's not <laughs> he's just a guy he's just a guy and you're like well he, he already lives on this land that we bought so i guess he can just stay <laughs> No, he's an artist of being there when Dudikoff is running, saying, no, no, don't go that way. Go this way. And then, you know, you know he's earned his keep that way. That's one of my favorite moments when Dudikoff has this escape and he's just like, he's running randomly through the woods and the guy's like, no, go that way. And they talk about it for, I don't know, conservatively four minutes. <laughs> and the other ninjas get there and have no idea that he went a different way. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Anything else that we should bring up? I think the only thing that needs to be brought up is that uh, the movie list needs a thousand percent more ninja movies. <laughs> Dude, if, like, I'm not a fan of, like, the a lot of the kung fu movies that are out there, but these types of just, like, ridiculous, like, canon decided to stick a ninja into a commando type movie, 
Yeah, we can do a bunch of those. That's fine. <laughs> uh, well, the Doug, since we, we talked about so much cultural appropriation, why don't you tell us about a movie that doesn't have cultural appropriation in it? With, uh, right. oh, wait, American Samurai. <laughs> I was going to say, how? how? Are, we, are we skipping ahead to next week's movies? <laughs> um, but, all right, so American Samurai. <laughs> so you want me to tell you the plot of American Samurai? Well, I mean, you can basically say it's American Ninja, but throw in a secret underground tournament and you pretty yeah, much play the movie. Yeah, like, okay, but, so... Um, so an American family is flying their model airplane over Japan. <laughs> it, something goes wrong, and it slightly bumps into a tree and completely falls apart, killing everyone except the baby. And a uh, little-known fact about Japanese uh, law that actually is kind of it's foreign to a lot of us North Americans, but over there it's whoever gets to the plane first gets the baby that's in it. That's <laughs> yeah, I believe it's the law of finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Yeah, so first, first come, first baby. <laughs> so uh, at that point, he the a samurai master because it's not racist to assume that the first Japanese person I've seen would be a samurai master. <laughs> That's not racist at all. You guys shouldn't be calling it that. Um, he is the one that finds the baby, proceeds to raise him up to be a very, very Americanized adult, despite the fact that he has been raised entirely in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some conflict between him and a supposedly older brother, but I'm reasonably confident the actor is much younger. Um, because you know the the dad is basically the basically the dad is neglecting his own son to raise the baby that he found in the woods, and the other son is rightfully upset about that. Well, that's because one of the important themes is that white guy is more important. Yes, that's essentially that's the theme of the movie is the white ah uh, the eighties. Um, to be fair, I like. The brother is played by Mark DeCostas, and uh, that guy's not exactly Japanese himself, and I'm fearful that there is some yellow face going on in this movie, but we can discuss that further. <laughs> um, anyways, so naturally the white guy grows up being raised by a samurai in Japan, and uh, he just then becomes a reporter in L.A. Sure. <laughs> just because... I'm sure and, there's uh, I'm sure there's some sort of connection. Yeah. So it's really weird because it's just like, yeah, he's he's fully American despite having been raised from baby to adult in Japan by Japanese people and being trained as a samurai the entire time. Uh, <laughs> his uh big his fancy samurai sword that was gifted to him by his stepdad is stolen, which isn't really relevant plot-wise, it's just a thing that happens. Very much a MacGuffin. And then, yeah, then his uh, his friend who is investigating the murder of a Saudi in Istanbul is killed. And when he sees the pictures of the body, he's like, I gotta go to Istanbul. So he goes all the way over there to infiltrate an underground fighting tournament that it seems like he just instinctively knew existed because of <laughs> seeing the picture of his dead friend. 
his uh, ninja sense went off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he gets over there. Yada, yada, yada. Giant underground fighting tournament where every participant is a stereotype from a different country. <laughs> and it's all being run by his former brother who has joined the Yakuza, but instead of actually being like a gangster in the Yakuza, he spends all his time in this underground fighting tournament, so the Yakuza plotline is irrelevant. And he uh, it's all set up to make them fight in the end, but first we get to watch a whole bunch of awesome fights. Yeah, I was going to say, essentially this movie is a Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, underground fighting tournament movie, yeah. only with less budget and somehow slightly... It's- yeah, like everything I said plot wise is all the stuff that happens in the first like half hour, and then the fighting tournament is like the last hour, which is exactly how this movie should be laid out. I would have actually scaled back the stuff that happened in the first movie. I would have just like, like the sword could have got stolen while he was still in Japan, and his dad could have just sent him to get it back. And when he gets there, they're like, "You have to join this fighting tournament." I would have given up on all that. I wouldn't have had him go to L.A. at all. You didn't need fucking any other white people in this movie. It would have been well, fine. He's got to get the girl that hates him that they, I don't know, for some reason sleep together after he has a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) He's got to get her in there somehow. It's a whole thing. Yeah, this has, this has all the underground fighting tournament stereotypes too. Uh, There's the random redneck American fighter who like (laughs) pseudo befriends him and then is killed in a round of the tournament. Yeah, pretty exactly, much the exactly uh, like the guy in Bloodsport. I was gonna say pretty yeah. much the Donald Gibb of this uh, this uh, movie or ogre for you lay people out there. Wait a second, hmm? the guy in the last movie, the, the stereotypical friend was named Jackson. Hmm. The guy makes this, the stereotypical friend in the movie. In this movie is the is basically a ripoff of the character from Bloodsport, whose name was also Jackson. Whoa. There's so many connections between these movies. Whoa, whoa, there, QAnon, slow it. Down. Uh, yeah so i don't know i didn't enjoy this movie nearly as much as i did american ninja what the fuck i didn't like i complained about it in our group chat that uh the lighting in this was just like fucking porn set bad oh okay so look this movie is really poorly made yeah um the production values are shit. Yeah. The, the last movie had like tanks and shit in it. It was great. The, this movie. Yeah, is, but this movie had gore. It, yeah. Listen, listen. We'll, we'll get to the good stuff in a minute, Noah, but we should get through to be <laughs> fair. We should just state the objective truth about this movie, which is that it's a bad movie because it's not even edited properly. There are scenes that they've taken and they've broken up and it's like clearly they filmed one conversation and then later decided it should be two conversations. So they've made it into two conversations that happen at different times in the movie, but they don't they don't go back and reshoot it. They just use they just cut the one conversation into two. So it's like they're in the same room. At one point, the guy's tied up and then. The next time we ha- he has a conversation, he's also tied up. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> There's a, f- a fantastic moment in this movie where we, we see a fight. That's the first fight we see. And then we clip back to the dressing room. And the guy who was killed in the first fight is in the background of the dressing room. 
<laughs> and then a bunch of other stuff goes on and we see more fights and then we go back to the dressing room and then the guy the guy that won the first fight is now bandaging his wounds from that first fight so clearly that's where the first fight was supposed to take place <laughs> and instead of like shooting an extra fight when they wanted one earlier in the movie they just edited one out and put it at a different spot <laughs> I was, it's it's bad i was gonna say wait uh, one of the greatest sins you do it in a movie you don't know it perfectly. It's a voiceover exposition. And not only does this film horribly violate that, they do the same voiceover exposition three or four times yeah. throughout the movie. And at one point, he there's voiceover exposition talking about taking a disadvantage and turning it into an advantage. Then there's a flashback of the teacher giving him the lesson that it just did the voiceover exposition to explain it. Then it goes back to the dressing room where he's talking to the other guy and he's like, ah, that pirate's only got one eye. I could kick his ass. And he's like, ah, yes, but he could turn that disadvantage into an advantage. And he just like, he does, it doesn't show that he learned anything from the lesson. It's just him verbatim repeating the wise truism. But here's the thing. What you're neglecting is there's no payoff. After teaching that lesson three times, there is no scene where somebody turns a disadvantage into an advantage. Correct. <laughs> like, that would have been the logical follow-up to all that. <laughs> you guys remember when the Swedish guy showed up and he had giant fucking horns on his helmet and he's swinging that big axe around <laughs> and American samurai had to fight him? God damn it, that's he, awesome didn't want to kill him so he just kept bashing him in the helmet the helmet was getting all dented up <laughs> there is not a single fighter in this tournament that i'm not a huge fan of Other weirdly one. biggest fan i like the dude that's in the overly tight wrestling leotard with the blonde hair with the fucking uh what's what the fuck is <laughs> yeah. that a glaive for no fucking reason He's like the Australian Mr. Perfect is who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> did, did he spit his so... gum out and hit it when I wasn't paying attention? <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> um, it's, he's so weird because his character really doesn't make any sense. Like, I think he's supposed to be in like a surfing outfit because he's Australian. But then what? Where? Why? Like, why doesn't he have some sort of weapon? Like, why doesn't he have a boomerang? Like, wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, or slingshot or something. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That character has the best line of the whole movie, though. Which one? Which, oh, my God. Because the American guy walks over to him while he's sitting there uh, pose flexing like a wrestler. He just keeps it, doing that throughout the movie. So you'll have to be more specific about what you see. Right. Well, but the, the American redneck guy walks over to him. And he's like, hey, where's your weapon at? And the guy kind of won't answer. He's like, seriously, you're going to go in there and fight with your dick? And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. And then... Weird blind guy's like, if I did, I would have an unfair advantage. <laughs> that's like, that's a good dick joke, goddammit. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I laughed out loud at that one, I have to admit. That's what I'm saying. How often, how often do you get a dick joke in a movie that's actually just like, it's a solid-ass joke? Like, that's a solid-ass dick joke. <laughs> All right. I'll concede that. 
<laughs> Plus, it was nice because when they were being racist against the Japanese and appropriating their culture and then being racist against the Turkish and then having all these other stereotypes in there, it was nice that they paused to be racist against Australians because you got to be racist against the white nations, too. <laughs> They'll eat even everything out. That's the way I looked at it. Who, who were the other fighters? You had dude who had, like, a chain dagger and a fucking Chinese butterfly sword and, for some reason, a dagger woven into his hair. Yep. Which, that I was fucking that dope. Yeah, I loved it. When he started swinging his hair around with that blade, I loved when the, when, he be, when he was getting ready to use it, too. He'd untie the, like, fucking man bun and then hold the end of the blade in his mouth so it was ready for use. He was fucking badass. <laughs> then there was uh, Pirate McTwo Swords. Yeah. Cool looking. Again, right. like a lot of the, a lot of that might not be as practical. I don't know if you want tassels hanging off the end of your swords in a real fight, but it looked cool when he was swinging them around. We even talked about the fact that uh, Evil Stepbrother is in this tournament. Yeah, I mentioned it in my plot description. Okay. But did we mention that it's played by Mark Dacascus? Yeah. Oh. I was, I, I, I was casually... listening to a different show when that happened. <laughs> I was, uh... All right, well, here's where here's where we'll have the discussion that I alluded to earlier. Yeah. He's in yellow face, right? That's not what he normally looks like. He's Asian they, of some they, sort. They Japanese him up a little bit, that traditional Asian name, Dukaskus. Uh, there are at least certain scenes where they seem to have made him look like an evil Japanese cartoon character. Well, that's that's very he, true. So, he is he is Hawaiian and technically that probably means he's significantly of Japanese descent. So that's interesting cuz the guy that plays his dad is also Hawaiian. So, yeah. Yeah. because you know like the population the population of Hawaii is something like 67 percent Japanese. It's really weird. Okay. He was so he also on. Does have some. He was also on the new Hawaii Five O. Was he? Yeah. Uh, that's that's that <laughs> well, it takes place in Hawaii. Uh, sure. If I remember correctly, I think he was a le- he's a legit martial artist, right? He actually yeah. 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 yeah 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 he's been doing that shit forever. And he's not, like, he's a pretty good actor. He doesn't do much in this movie. Like, it's kind of a, it's a subdued role for him. But, like, I remember, like, he, remember he was in the Crow TV show? Mm-hmm. He's, like, pretty good in that. And it's, like, yep. that's a hard role to step into, you know? He just got and a then, lot of attention recently because he was in the, the um, uh, was it the third John Wick film? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah John Wick Chapter oh. 3. Yeah, he was one of the main villains in chapter John Wick Chapter Three. All of his accomplishments have been erased by the fact that he's Iron Jeff America guy. I think we can all admit that. I don't don't even know what that means. That is ruined. He's Um, he's the uh, the Chancellor of Iron Jeff America, so he is the guy who introduces the secret ingredient on that cooking show. He's the guy who comes out and he's like Bill Pepper. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> and that's all he will ever be to me in forever in the future. He also does it. saying even sounds like words to me. So. It, he also does it on Iron Chef Australia, apparently. 
<laughs> do you think he does it with a fake Australian accent? I hope that so. That would be so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't believe you've never yeah. seen Iron Chef America. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I've never actually watched it, but I know the reference for sure. What his role is. So, so t- speaking of cultural appropriation, so there was this show called Iron Chef in yeah. Japan that was about uh, traditional cooking and pride, and uh, really, really attempting to be better than somebody else at a sport and like if you won you dethroned the other guy and all this kind of shit and uh of course we stole that and america the shit out of it yeah he's the guy that yeah comes in and tells them the secret ingredient they have to use for the episode yeah i only know of it now that i think about it because they made fun of him a lot on the soup when joel McHale was doing it so So let's go back to talking about movies because they're more fun uh, look, tournament movie, always kind of fun. I'm just saying, after Bloodsport, it's kind of hard to, to be Well, to be fair, though, like, in this one, it's all, like, they all get weapons and shit, which is super fun. Yeah. And it's like, you know, having a bunch of guys with different weapons fight, I, I think is really enjoyable. I mean, I guess I can't tell you whether you should or not, but it's... Yeah, like I, I really like that everybody. I like that Conan the Barbarian was one of the participants for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I was, like I was saying earlier, and it's fairly gory for one of these movies. Yeah, and the uh, those particular effects, the the in the ring fighting effects, are pretty delightful. I don't know, I dig them. Yeah, the in the ring fighting is done well. It's clear that that's where they wanted to spend their money. They got guys that could go in and flip around and do crazy shit. They spent the money on the makeup effects. Like the set is even kind of cool. They're in like a pit surrounded by rich people betting on them. And that douchey British announcer guy that makes fun of anyone who doesn't want to kill their opponent. (laughs) Just technically you don't have to kill him. You just have to disable. The biggest compliment that I'll give this movie, it made me really want to go watch best of the best two again. That at least has Wayne Newton in it. <laughs> That's a solid point. <laughs> Done best of the best on this. I don't think so. Oh, that might be a best of the best month we'll have to put together. <laughs> Can we just do a full month of underground tournament fighting movies? Oh, you just signed your death warrant, sir, because that's definitely going to happen. And they're probably. <laughs> Why would that be my death warrant? Those are one of my favorite things. Because I'm sure some of them are going to be terrible. But when we're done that, can we do the movie Death Warrant? Because he brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should do Death Warrant and then Death Warrant. Three. So I'm assuming Enter the Dragon's going to be part of this tournament tournament month. All right, all right. Let's not go down this train where we try <laughs> try to organize a month of shows in the middle of recording this show. Oh, I'm just saying we're, we're unorganized enough as is. So. Yeah. It'd be more interesting than this movie for me. Uh, I'm so sad you didn't enjoy it. So, so I understand that. Uh, so, so Dudikoff, once again, due to the fact that he doesn't, it, it, he hasn't picked up his charisma yet, is a bit of a wet blanket mm-hmm. in the first movie. But the guy in this movie is more like a, a moist brick. Like <laughs> he's even, he is not emotive at all. No. I, I, 
I do not understand why he's the star of a movie. I, I yeah. can't see what he brings to this role. Like, it would have been much better to have Mark. Like, just, I guess, I guess it's the 80s and you can't do it, but just don't have any white kids in the movie and just have Mark Dacascos be the brother that wins the sword and have a different evil brother that he has to go fight. Like, that oh. would have been better. That doesn't appeal to... to the market they're shooting for. I guess. I don't know. But Which is pretty much yeah, just those how kids. You, how could you have sold a movie without a white savior in the 80s? Yeah. It's pretty much... I'm, I'm guessing they're just marketing to the white kids that would buy katanas at conventions and put them up on their wall, and that's pretty much, pretty much all they spend their money on. Yeah, it does seem like that would be the target market. Yeah. And and the kids that are just picking this up at the video store because they're not allowed to go to conventions yet. But when they get older, then they'll buy a katana. And and the dudes who uh, work out too much and do cocaine at the gym and then have arguments about <laughs> whether or not Billy Blanks could kick Chuck Norris's ass. <laughs> you know those douches. There's probably a whole subsect of people that we don't even know about that sit around and argue like, what would happen if like a barbarian fought a Viking? And then this movie tries to answer that question for you. So I think that's very thoughtful of the filmmakers to address those issues. Not only do we know for a fact that that is true, but you may recall that sci-fi made the show Deadliest Warrior that very literally that was the entire mm. conceit of the show. Wasn't, wasn't there an episode of Angel where Angel and Spike were arguing who would win between cowboys and cavemen? Yes. Good. There was just, also an episode of Angel where he was thrown into an underground fighting tournament, much like this one. Oh, that's right. It all comes back to Angel. <laughs> it all comes back to the spin-off show from that one show we talked about that one time. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, so, out of all the things about this movie that are disappointing, uh, other than the fact that the first third of the movie doesn't involve an underground fighting tournament. That first third of the movie can all just go away. To be yeah, fair, I don't. to be fair, the majority of movies are disappointing because they're not about an underground fighting tournament, right? But were you guys, after all of the dope fights in this movie, were you a little disappointed by the final confrontation? I always am. I definitely was. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, it was a bit of a letdown, and it was it was the style that they both fought in throughout the movie, so it made sense in a weird way. But I'm like, I don't want it to make sense. I want it to be completely badass. And then the kill shot at the end was stupid, in my opinion. So you guys recall, like, he, like, one guy throws his sword at the other guy, and then he turns around and knocks the sword out of the air, and it flies back and stabs the guy. And you're like, that's not cool, man. I don't want to watch that. There's so many cool ways they could have cut each other's heads off and stuff. We don't get any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was super disappointed in that final fight. I'd, like... The, the brother character is really underutilized, knowing what that actor can do skill-wise and stuff. Yeah. He, he should have been... They should have just made his fighting style different, and they could have had him be doing cool shit in there. I also love the fact that it, at the beginning of the movie, they make this huge thing out of the older brother being Yakuza. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's not part of the plot of the movie. No. Not, not at all. <laughs> No, it's almost like they think that it, uh, or the filmmakers believe that Americans believe that in Japan everybody has to like pick a side between samurai and yakuza. 
<laughs> it's almost like they're warring houses, but that's not how it is. Kuza's just basically a gang, so <laughs> it's kind of dumb. Don't let the Kuza hear you say that, because you'll be in trouble. Uh, yes, I probably will be. I'm reasonably confident they don't listen to this and <laughs> aren't going to send, like, ninja assassins <laughs> to get me, but... I feel like now they should make American Ninja versus American Samurai, where they enter into an underground fighting tournament to fight each other. But all of the rest of the fighters are like authentic Asian martial artists or something. (laughs) And and the entire movie is just um, the two white guys like battling it out and talking shit and everybody going, why are they here? (laughs) Who are these people? (laughs) <laughs> this is kind of our thing, guys. They're not even good. Look at them. They're not even good. You know if you know if Canon made that movie, it would be the story of the two rising to the top and then fighting each other in the final fight, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh good lord. But not before somehow both of them befriending <laughs> a redneck American who also is in the tournament who dies Yeah. Naturally. And somehow they both want revenge on each other. I think technically, somehow in the middle of this, I think technically this movie was almost racist against the redneck, too. Because that thing where he comes in wearing like a plaid shirt and they're like, get into your uniform, and he just takes it off and puts on a different plaid shirt, I think it's <laughs> technically prejudiced against people from the South. Well, and the fact that they've all got their crazy weapons and stuff, and then he's got that bowie knife. Yep. And you want to be like, no one in America carries a bowie knife. No one. <laughs> not since not since the Spanish American War. <laughs> well, that's why okay. you're not that's why you're not in an underground fighting tournament, Noah, because you don't walk around with a giant bowie knife. Yeah, like what are you gonna do? You're gonna have them have like a nine millimeter and like a concealed carry permit? Like it's <laughs> Here's a copy of the Constitution of the United States. I can carry this gun if I want. I like my Constitution notice. Brass knuckles or maybe a cheap shitty sword that he bought from, uh, what the fuck's the place in the mall called? <laughs> you know the one. The swords one and more? Swords. <laughs> swords and more? If you want to make it truly racist against Americans, you just have them going in there with a baseball bat. <laughs> be hilarious. Can I ask you guys a question about this movie? Go for it. I want to know why the Turkish people, they had like the girls that were in charge of keeping the girl prisoners. Why did they speak French instead of Turkish? (laughs) Or like English I would have understood or Turkish I would have understood. The French didn't make sense to me at all. (laughs) Uh, Because they're French. Fuck them. I don't know. (laughs) Because <laughs> it wasn't even the, the actresses clearly French is not their first language Because they sp- spoke French very poorly <laughs> So I don't know why they were doing it Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In No one is here to take your call For more info Check out the Midnight Drive-In On Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod Or find us on Facebook If you want to email us Send it to the Midnight Drive-In At gmail.com Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
Is that gunfire? What the fuck is going on? Actually, it's probably a pellet gun. Logically speaking. <laughs> of course. What the fuck is that? I don't understand it. <laughs> is it Morse code for something? Oh, that makes sense. Of course it's Morse code. That's logical. <laughs> what the hell? I'm back. Is there like fireworks or something going off? No, sorry. It's not my glass down. Like, like I said, I'm on this fucking laptop. It's just. No, it's weird. Like while you were gone, there was like this popping sound that sounded like fireworks outside. And I was like, is that, like, gunfire? Like, what the fuck is it? I don't know. Maybe the cat got up and was rubbing on the laptop or something. Oh. It's weird. Uh, all right. What did everybody watch since last time? So I've only watched two things. Yeah. Uh, the first, since we were watching movies about white people becoming ninjas, I watched Beverly Hills Ninja again. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's on brand. Chris Farley movie? Yeah, with Chris Farley. It's on brand. I still like it. It's it's delightful. Who was it? It's it's silly, it's cheesy, it hasn't aged super well. It seems like I just read something somewhere that, like, some famous actor's favorite movie is Beverly Hills Ninja. And it's, like, some weird, like, out of nowhere, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, like Liam Neeson or something. Yeah, I mean, like Christian Bale is what's coming to mind, but I don't think that's right. It's like some sort of big flute and actor who's like into method acting and stuff. Their favorite movie of all time is Beverly Hills Ninja. And I was just like, what the fuck? But now I can't remember who it was. I, for some reason, Vincent D'Onofrio, I think, would be the funniest one. <laughs> <laughs> just, could you imagine Vincent D'Onofrio being like, yeah, man, Beverly Hills Ninja, best movie ever made. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it 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 hasn't aged super well, but it's still really funny. Oh, turns out yeah, it was yeah. right. It's Christian Bale. His favorite movie is Beverly Hills Ninja. That's funny. Nice. But yeah. the only problem with those movies is anymore, I get sad and nostalgic every time I watch stuff like that. Just because, man, Chris Farley was so fucking funny. Yeah, <sighs> it's always bad. The fat, the overweight actor, mm. especially comedians, don't. Don't see the last right. Yeah, I'm surprised Horatio Sands lasted this long. Right. That must be because he lost a bunch of weight. Uh, and then, really, the only other thing I've been watching, because Char's been watching it, is Downton Abbey. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I actually kind of enjoy it. I've, I've heard nothing but good things. I'm never going to watch it. It's so. very... I mean, it's, it's very dry, but... I mean, parts of it are pretty funny. The chick who plays McGarnagle and Harry Potter's in it, and she plays, like, the Duchess. And I don't she's just real fucking funny because she always has something snobby and terrible to say that's pretty clever. But, like, most of those Britishy shows, it's 90% dialogue. You know what I mean? Like, not a lot happens. It's mostly people sitting in a single room having a protracted conversation. Yeah. <laughs> No, Amanda watched the whole series once, and I would catch, like, pieces of it or whatever. And uh, very quickly, it was like, well, this show is definitely not for me. I mean, if you like if you like character development, I mean, that's all it is. It's just watching a handful of characters just get deeper and deeper and deeper. 
it's it's almost like a soap opera, just higher quality. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. My big thing though is I I know the episodes are only like an hour to an hour and ten minutes long, and they feel like they are three and a half hours. Long. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Like you watch two episodes of Downton Abbey, and you're like, "Have I been here for a day?" <laughs> Is my beard grown? What has happened? <laughs> Who's president? But that's it. Besides that, I've been too busy to watch anything. Oh. What about you, Doug? I guess I've been... Well, oh. I, I, I'll, okay. I'll throw one more thing in there. I started rereading the Dune series since, right. uh, you know, the new Dune's coming out. Yep. And this time, I went further than I usually do. I've always been told that the later books suck and, and not to read them. So I've only ever read the first three I've read the first one like five times, but I've read the other two once or twice. And this time I went further and I read the fourth book, which is God Emperor of Dune. And now I'm pissed that I never went further because I think it might be my favorite of the series. It's really, really fucking good. It's weird because that's it takes place like 3000 years after the first three books. And one of the characters is still alive, and he's metamorphized into a giant humanoid worm creature who rules as a god emperor over the entire universe. Super fucked up. Mm. Ne- never read any of the books, never watched any of the movies. No. Other you didn't than... even watch the David Lynch movie? No. Other than uh, sandworms, I know very little about it. Oh my god, that might be me and you might have to have a a movie weekend. So <laughs> I force you to watch the goddamn Lynch version. So it's a huge departure from the book, so you can't judge the other Dune stuff off of it. But it's its own thing and it's fucking bonkers and I love it. Yeah. Like the the acting in it's great, the fucking the set pieces are like ridiculously huge. I don't know, it's great. Yeah. I'm excited for this new one. We'll see. They're, they're saying the new one's going to stick real, real close to the book. I have a hard time believing that because that would be very difficult. But what about you, Dig? I uh, I have watched nothing. Oh, good lord! Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I literally have nothing else. I mean, I've been watched a few episodes of the simpsons here and there when i had time but i have not really had time for a movie so did you at least see the trailer for wandavision the new trailer? i did i'm actually very excited about that i'm, I'm very, very excited. excited it looks so good <laughs> i was i'll tell you what though i was unaware of how few episodes it is so i'm super happy about that because they were announcing it? well they were talking about how they were extending it and adding extra episodes. And I was like, sweet. They're like, so now there are going to be eight. And I was like, eight? What was it originally supposed to be? And it was like, <laughs> six. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I've been waiting a second year for six fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah, it looks great, though. It's super yeah. fun to watch, like, just to watch their appearance. When they show up in... It's like Halloween, and they're wearing costumes of themselves. Mm-hmm. It makes me fucking laugh, yeah. and that's just pleasant. So, yeah, it looks like they're finally doing something interesting with Scarlet Witch and her powers because she is like very powerful in the comics, and they've done very little with her in the movies. And we're getting more Vision 
He's one yeah. of my favorite characters. So I was really pissed that they didn't give him a fair shake before they killed him. Yeah. yeah. Well, Vision's like star- opening storyline that got pushed into Age of Ultron should have been almost its own movie. Mm. I get that not everybody can just not every storyline can get its own movie, but it was rushed. Yeah. yeah he he was cool. I like him. Like I like the character. I like what they did with them. I like the performances. So it'd be interesting to see more of them. It looks like Scarlet Witch might just be absolutely insane and creating fake universes, which is fun. Which is not out of the ordinary for her if you read the comics. No. So I like the one theory I've heard. One theory I've heard is like she destroys all the mutants in the comics. Mm. But like that would just be a fun way to just play a little reverse on that and all of a sudden we have mutants. Mm. That'd be a way to go. Sort of why X Men show us start showing up. Yeah. Yeah, could be fun. Isn't like there's some weird like little factoid where it's like, isn't is it House of M? Is that the storyline where she kills all the yeah. mutants? Yeah. And then the bottle of wine she's drinking is like Maison to M or something in the fucking show. Oh, <laughs> see, I didn't even catch that. It's yeah, you gotta watch like the YouTube videos of the people with I don't I don't know Breaking how they catch down. all that little shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But luckily yeah, she, I have, you know, time to watch three YouTube videos about the trailer that was two minutes long, so yeah, I was going to say, in the comic book, she's considered one of the most dangerous characters because all she has to do is get pissed off and just use her power slightly wrong and she fucking wreck shit. Yeah, to be fair, with Tony Stark gone, they need a new person to cause all of the problems for all of the future movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. Well, I watched some stuff. Um, this last weekend was supposed to be the annual Dust Till Dawn Horror Night at the uh, drive-in. But uh, I didn't go because they are uh, being super restrictive with their mask stuff, which I completely understand. Um, but since it's like an outdoor situation, figured they would be like... Uh, you know, because usually we go, we take lawn chairs, we sit outside with a little radio and stuff outside the car. And they specifically did not want anybody sitting outside the car unless they're going to the bathroom or whatever, which fine, you know, whatever. Um, so decided to skip that. Instead, my friend came over who was wanting to go and we just watched all the movies they were showing anyway, because he blew my mind by telling me he had never seen them before. Any of them. You've never seen Lion of Living Dead? That's exactly what I said when I found out. <laughs> How do you even get through life? That's what I asked. I'm like, how, how have you not seen it? He's like, I don't know. I've just never had the chance to watch it. So it's, I, uh, it's, it's everywhere always. <laughs> That's why I told him. I'm like, you can just watch it on YouTube. I like, I bought a CD once and it had a free copy of Living Dead in it. <laughs> like I didn't even know there was a movie in here. Uh, so it was a good excuse for me to pull out my Criterion Blu-ray because I hadn't, I hadn't really watched, watched it yet. Um, so as I'm sure, uh, everybody would be expecting it, uh, looks gorgeous, uh, super awesome as always. And, uh, he enjoyed it. I got to tell him like, okay, every zombie movie you've seen basically comes from this movie right here. So you get to see where everything starts. 
shit. It sounds like gunfire at your house, Noah, I swear to God. I mean, it's actually, if if Canon Pictures gets a copy of this, they'll edit that out and use it as a soundtrack in one of their movies. So. Probably. I, I, there's absolutely no sound. Are you, you're hearing it too, aren't you, Doug? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Like it's almost like somebody maybe you're drumming your fingers on the desk next to the mic. Or a horse, it's a horse running by in the distance. <laughs> I am. I am certainly not. You try. Uh, here, I'll put the laptop on my lap and see if that helps. Uh, that did help actually. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's something being carried through the floor. I don't know what it could be. Mm. Very strange. Yeah. I mean, it's not the podcast ghost, so we don't need to worry about that. So we're all good. Um, so then we followed Night of the Living Dead up with uh, John Carpenter's The Fog. Nice. Uh, I haven't seen that one in a while. Yeah. The, the best ghost movie. I can see that. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that. But um, it was a lot of fun rewatching that, getting back to it. Um, and then we watched uh, Humanoids from the Deep. So, yeah. sort of one coastal town to another. That's fun. Uh, That's got to be watching humanoids from the deep with somebody who has never seen Night of the Living Dead is interesting. <laughs> <'Cause you're just laughs> like, so, you haven't been exposed to that much, eh? Well, <laughs> what are your thoughts on fish rape? Well, he actually like loves B, like B level horror movies. It's just he has weird gaps in his in his I viewing. B level horror movies, but I'm not really versed in eighties stuff. Did they make any B level horror movies in the eighties? <laughs> oh god. Did you sh- did you at least show him Island of the Fishman as well? No, we haven't we didn't get that far. Um, the guy's have, never seen that of the Living Dead, Noah. Come on. Yeah. And we were mimicking we were mimicking what they were showing at the drive in, uh, which they also had uh Rabid scheduled. And I'm actually not a big fan of that movie, so I don't have a copy of it. So I was we were going to watch Scanners instead because he's never seen that. Um, but we didn't get to it. So. But then, during this whole session, he fucking drops that uh, uh, he's never seen anything past Friday 13th Part 2. Jesus Christ. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? You skipped out on arguably some of the best in the franchise. Three, yeah, four, I, I six, seven. This guy is trying to get exposed and learn and stuff. But uh-huh. the next thing he's going to say is something like, I've never seen the Princess Bride, and I'm going to slap him right in his mouth. <laughs> I'll have to ask him if he's seen Princess Bride before just to see if what happens. If he says no, slap him right in his mouth. <laughs> Doesn't have to be hard. It's hard enough that he knows that he did wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's just weird stuff that he's seen. I mean, he's totally up for watching it. Every couple of weeks he hits me up and he's like, hey, you want to hang out and watch movies? And I'm like, sure, what do you want to watch? He's like, I don't know, you pick. And he just lets me pick whatever, and then he tells me if he's seen them or not. And if he's seen them, then we just go back and pick something else. So, so it sounds like next time we're at least doing Friday the 13th Part 3 and 4. Possibly six and seven after that. Not going to show him Roy. Oh fuck Roy! Maybe I'll show. Maybe I'll show him the girl with the giant boobs. But I'm like, you don't even think I'll show this movie. He 
You should have to see all of the movies. <laughs> you should have to suffer through them. <clears throat> well, apparently he's seen Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. So I'm like, why, how did you just skip the entire middle section of the franchise? How did they make any? How did Jason X make any sense to you? Right. I almost, I almost feel like you should take the ones he hasn't seen, shuffle them into a random order, and then just force him to watch the rest. <laughs> Be like, since you didn't do this right in the first place, we're not going to start now. <laughs> so you are now going to watch six, then eight, then three. Then... <laughs> uh. Yeah, but then he'll lose track of the canon and not be able to understand what's going on. Yeah, he'll get to uh, he'll get to see my my uh, annoyance with uh, fucking continuity because a lot of shit doesn't make sense. <sighs> um, all right, so then uh, on my own, I was kind of in the mood for an '80s camp movie. And I just recently purchased on digital because it was on sale, uh, Meatballs Part 2. And I was like, you know yeah. what? I haven't watched Meatballs Part 2, like, very often. Like, I've seen the first one a lot. Maybe seen the second one once or twice. Boobs. So, actually very, very little boobs in the second one. Is that right? Yeah. See, maybe that's not what I, Am I thinking of Porky's 2? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Or you're thinking of part three, because the third one's all about one of the characters. All right, so this is, the, this is the weird thing. In the Meatballs franchise, of which there's four, only part one and part three are actually connected to each other. Uh, part three has a character from the first one coming back as a counselor, and he's a huge nerd, so it's... Apparently some ghost of some porn star comes down to try to help him get laid during his trip to camp this summer I have not seen that one so the second one was a movie called like Happy Campers or something directed by uh, Ken Wiederhorn who did uh, the movie Shockwaves and it was called Happy Campers but then right before it came out the studio decided eh we're gonna change it to Meatballs too and he's like, okay. Um, so, so Meatballs 2, uh, camp movie, like I said. Uh, camp is run by Richard Mulligan from the Empty Nest TV show back in the day. And he runs a camp, and across the lake is the military camp, which uh, is run by, I don't know, some some guy, but then like his, his head of command is John Larroquette, who is very effeminate, um, but is portraying that he's not gay while this guy is talking about how much he hates gay people the whole movie. It's very that weird. sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so also some of the young kids, uh, one of them, Jason Hervey from uh, Wonder Years, Um stumble upon an alien out in the forest and it turns out his parents dropped him off for summer camp on earth so yeah I don't know it's a whole weird mishmash of camp stuff yeah, I've holy seen this a long time ago it turns out yeah. holy shit Noah <laughs> what's going on in your house 
I have. I'm not doing anything. I'm very literally sitting still in a silent room. I'm starting to hear like a xylophone being played. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like somebody is trapped and they're banging on the pipes next door and the sound is traveling into the room. (laughs) They just need help. You should help them. Like the kids from uh, Toy Story or Toy Story, Toy Soldiers? Yeah, I have have no idea what it could be. Hmm. It's just it's just very weird. I think it's funny more than anything else, but I'm just like, where the fuck is this coming from? Um, so yeah, Meatballs too. Typical camp movie. Definitely not as good as the first one, but what are you going to do? Uh, and then the other thing I watched is a movie called Becky. Oh, uh, I thought you wanted to see this one. Well, you should, because I actually thought it was pretty awesome. Um, so this this uh, guy whose wife has died, played by Joel McHale, um, is taking his daughter up to like a cabin that they own apparently, um, and she's kind of pissed off because apparently apparently her mom died like a year ago, and he's been talking about selling this cabin. So she's kind of pissed off, but then they get there and he he tells her like I've been trying to tell you this whole time, but you wouldn't talk to me that I'm not going to sell it. We're going to keep it. And so she's really happy, but then his girlfriend shows up with her son. So then she gets all mad again. So, Jesus, Noah, what is going on? I'm not doing anything. (laughs) It sounds like there's an ice cream truck outside of your house. It's weird. I think your mic, the mic must just be randomly picking up weird shit and focusing on it. So if you're not saying anything, it just randomly goes off. Because then when you start talking, it gets quiet again. It's so weird. Um, anyway, so during all this, uh, funny man, Kevin James, and like three other guys who are all white supremacists and have swastikas tattooed on them, uh, break out of prison and are... Jesus. Just go get some ice cream, Noah. Good Lord. Hold on. <laughs> Let me see. Is there, is there a push to talk function on Skype? I don't think so. <laughs> there must be a mute, op- mute option, isn't there? There is, but... Just turn, yeah, just turn your mic off. You should be able to do it. I think we'll know if he turns it back on. We should be able to pick up on it pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, so... So these guys all break out of prison. Uh, one of the guys is uh, the guy that I call. Uh, oh, what the fuck was his name? Um, shit. Uh, he was in WWE during the Attitude Era. He was like this giant dude who uh, ended up to uh, like started left wrestling and went and started being in movies. So he's in tons of shit. Try to think of what his name was. Doesn't matter. Um, so he's one of the guys, and then Kevin James. What's up? No, it's not the great Collie. Um, fuck. It began with like an R or something. Oh. Just keep going. I'm trying to look it up here. We'll okay. see what I do. Um, Attitude Era, Noah. 90s. <laughs> Ryback was like five years ago. Anyway, guy's so, name is Robert Maylett. Yes, that guy, the Kurgan. That's what it was. They used to call him the Kurgan. Okay. 
he was in some like military stable and then that didn't go over well so they nixed it and turned it into the oddities which was just like the freak show people and his name was kurgan okay that, that doesn't matter to anybody except for me um so apparently i think uh kevin james character used to live in this house um so he like buried something in the wall in the basement so he shows up and of course uh is going to kill all the people in the house because they saw saw you know saw them so he's got to kill them so they won't turn them in after they leave or whatever um but luckily enough becky is off skulking in her uh treehouse out in the woods because her dad's girlfriend showed up and she's super mad about it when this happens so then it turns into fucking uh when she realizes what's going on and oh shit i'm like 12 years old i'm gonna have to be the one to kill all these white supremacists turns into like fucking home alone out in the woods like really almost like die hard with a little girl out in the woods die hard in a tree fort they haven't tried that before yet (laughs) so yeah she's in her tree house and she starts looking around like okay what can I fucking use against these guys? Because there's, like, walkie-talkies involved and stuff that makes sense when you watch it. So they're, like, taunting her. Like, cause she has some... She found the thing that they're looking for. So, of course, she has it in her treehouse. And they're like, you know, come give it to us and we'll let you go or whatever. And she's like, fuck. Yeah, right. So she, like, breaks her ruler off so it's got a point. And then uses the fucking zip line on top of her treehouse to slide down and just stab this dude right in the neck. So it's pretty rad. Like the the special effects are pretty awesome. The uh, sort of the the storyline and stuff is good, but you know, nothing super original. Like I just named like three movies that it sort of rips off, but they haven't done it with a little girl in the woods. So it's a lot of fun. And seeing Kevin James as a white supremacist with a giant swastika tattoo on the back of his head is very interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So definitely recommend for me. I picked it up a couple of weeks ago on voodoo. Cause I know Doug loves voodoo for like uh, five bucks, I think. So definitely worth it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug, your turn to pick movies next week. What are we watching? Next week, next week. Did you guys know that we're entering October? Uh, yeah. Which means it is the month for horror movies, which means it's time to get into some haunted house films. Fuck yeah. So, uh, oh, we're setting house. up the whole month. Sweet. We're setting up the month of haunted house movies. <laughs> and then next week's entries will be... Uh, Don't get too house. excited, folks. And <laughs> the medieval horror. Yeah, we only heard like half of that. You sounded like you were outside. <laughs> no, one will email every individual listener and let him know what he thinks about my movie selections, apparently. Um, <laughs> But that's that's where we're at. That's a couple of classics that I haven't seen in a while, and I'm hoping they hold up. Tonally, pretty much the same thing, I think. House and uh, Amityville Horror. I <laughs> assume that those will be. <laughs> they won't, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I watched House when I was younger, and it scared the living shit out of me. 
And then I grew older and watched House, and I'm like, this is a fucking comedy. Why the fuck was I ever scared of this movie? <laughs> I don't know how you were ever scared of those. Uh, it was, yeah. House and House 2 were staples in my life as a child, and I haven't seen either one of them in a long time, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. Now what you got here is a portal to another dimension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going to remember. Oh, yeah. that's what's wrong with Noah's fucking voice. Are you in recording from another dimension again? Is that what's been going on this whole time? Uh, <laughs> we just didn't think of it? Uh, that, that is one possibility of many. Yeah, you're going to find out that House 2 actually has a character that you wish there was more adventures for. And that that person is Bill Towner, plumber slash adventurer. <laughs> uh, but that's not next week. That's the following week. So, yeah. yeah we spoiler a, alert for next week. We get a lot of uh, get a lot of William Cat in sweaters. And, oh, James Brolin in sweaters. So it's a very sweater-heavy episode. Oh, it's fall, you know. That's good. I'm excited. We needed a theme month because we fucked up and didn't do our Slater Septembers. I know. Somebody mentioned that like halfway through, and I'm like, oh, fuck, it is September. We didn't do Slater September. It completely slipped my mind. It was weird because it was one of the weeks where we released an episode late, too, I think. So I'm like, oh, that should have been the first episode of Slater September because it came out in September, but it should have come out in August. It was like right on the cusp. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, we're not doing Slater September. We fucked up. Meaning I fucked like, up. What's halfway between after September? What's six months after that? Maybe we'll do it. Slater September in the winter, like the Christmas in July. Maybe um, some some Merry Christian Slater for Christmas this year? <laughs> Alright, well, I, I can't get behind that uh, pun, so I'll have to yeah. find another thing to do. We'll have to workshop this. Yeah. How, about, how about Slater Summer? Just, uh, just three, three months. months Slater. <laughs> three months of <laughs> Christian Slater. June, July, and August, all Christian Slater movies. And then we just fade back into other movies like nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll totally remember it by the time by the time the summer rolls around. If we're even all still alive, so Yeah. And there's an eighty percent chance no one's getting shot with a pellet gun between now and then. So. <laughs> I, I mean, the, really, the most important thing is we need to properly think out another Easter episode. Ah, from the popularity of our uh, Ernest Saves Christmas and uh, whatever the fu- other fuck holiday it was that we did. Was it Ernest Scared Stupid? Yeah. We're not, we're not doing any more Ernest movies, just to make it clear. What? You don't want to watch Ernest Goes to Africa? No, I really don't. I'm pretty sure that's horribly racist. Ernest Goes to Camp? <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp is a good movie. I like that one. I'm Ernest Goes to Camp and Ernest Goes to Jail are both pretty. I'm, just, I'm worried if I watch Ernest Goes to Camp that I'm just going to end up like saddened because it's going to be one of those things that's not, it can't hold up as well as my childhood enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Hmm. I didn't say that right at all. It's okay if you didn't understand that. Uh, no, I got it. I was more laughing at the uh, know what I mean thing at the end. At the end there, 
I figured you're. Do you know that that was a coincidence? I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there another random beloved character who did a bunch of these random movies like this? Uh, they're uh, not doing Ernest Month. Get it out of your fucking head. I'm well, not talking about Ernest. I'm just saying somebody else. Like well, Dorf. You're, you're right there, Doug. We're not doing Ernest Month. We're doing Ernest slash Medea Month. Because Medea is is the modern Ernest. You just pick a scenario and then you put that character into it. All right. Uh, uh, we have to have this discussion now. If somebody puts a fucking Medea movie on that list, this podcast may come to an end. I fucking hate Tyler Perry. I hate him. I hate him almost as much as I hate several other unnamed people. Jesus. Jesus, you know, you know the ones. Well, by definition, we can't know them because you refuse to name them. But whatever, I've named them before. Yeah, and I've completely forgot what it was, but it doesn't matter. There will, there will be mind you guys. There will be no uh, Medea movies because I'm not a fan either. But hey, Tyler Perry, if you can make a billion dollars off playing a woman, you go right ahead. I still, I don't, I don't even think the Medea movies come out here. I'm thankfully aware of their existence, but I don't think they're they're released in Canadians. I think most of them are straight to video now down here. I mean, I assume if I tried, I could get my hands on some Medea movies, but um, I'm not going to try. <laughs> Just walking up to random people on the street, hey, you got any of that Medea? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's already weird enough that everybody's wearing a mask when they walk up to each other or <laughs> trying to stay on the other side of the sidewalk. And it's like, all right. <laughs> Guy opens up his trench coat just lined with Medea DVDs. Like, yeah, what you looking for? Goes to jail, goes back to school, family reunion. I swear, Noah. <laughs> it's like you have... You have like a Jamaican band in your in your office. <laughs> so, so weird. That's what it is. It's a steel drum. It's a steel drum. That's it what it sounds like. Can't you wait actually... to find out whether the listeners hear all that or whether they think you and I are insane. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.